What's up, Rave City? This is Yusuf Nurkic. Thank you for joining us at Section 113 with Travis Demers. Well, the Blazers open up a six-game homestand with the Philadelphia 76ers on Thursday. It is time now for another edition of the Section 113 podcast. And joining us now, the television play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, the one and only Kate Scott. Kate, thanks for the time. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, Travis. It's great to great to hear you and see you, my friend. Great to be on with you. Likewise. You know, for you, this is year two. Um, how has year two been as opposed to year one now that you've got a full year under your belt and know what to expect? <laughs> now that my hair's not on fire and I'm not completely <laughs> overwhelmed every time I sit down to try to call a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm sure you know that feeling to, to some Just extent. a little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, it feels... Uh, it's night and day. Just just knowing the little things about what it's like to travel with the team day in and day out. Um, getting comfortable with knowing where you're going to put your luggage. Just stupid things that nobody cares yeah. about or nobody thinks about, right? Just all the ways that you can reduce drag so that the the only focus is okay, how, how can I call this game to the best of my ability? So right. um, that comfort's there. Obviously, I'm much more comfortable with my partner and my crew at NBC Sports Philly, the team. The Sixers have been awesome. So, yeah, it, it's feeling a lot more comfortable and has me, understandably, very excited about the, the years to come. Knock on wood that they'll want me back for a while. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Trust me. Um, <laughs> you know, you, every day I, I pinch myself that, hey, this is this is my job. I get to do yeah. this. Yeah. I know you feel the same way. Um, you know, with, with the Sixers, there, there's there been expectations for a long time, right? And, and yeah. this year, James Harden, the way he played last year, there were a lot of questions that, okay, mm-hmm. is this Sixers team, have they have they passed their, their window uh, they've been looking pretty darn good, especially on this road trip here. Just one of, I think, three teams in the NBA that has a, a winning record on the road. Mm-hmm. What has been different this year? Well, I think James is healthy, first and foremost. Um, and, and he explained that to us back at Media Day, end of September, early October, that, listen, I just haven't been healthy for the past two-plus seasons because of the pandemic and because of the way that season was pushed. You know, you were a, a part of the Blazers broadcasting team at that point, yeah. and all all basketball fans know things were so condensed for a couple of years that guys that had tough to come back from injuries like James hamstring hamstring is not one that you can just wait out for a couple of weeks and then it's back. Um, He said he finally had a chance to, to get healthy this off season. Uh, He came in toned and fit and really focused. So I think that that was a huge part of it. Um, And it's been interesting, you know, because we played the Clippers uh, before we head up to you guys and, and beat the Clips. And they were kind of where it started when James was just starting to come back from the foot injury that he suffered in November. So we had a, a seven game, uh, what it sounds like you guys are about to start, season long seven game homestand in December. Yeah. Started with a wacky overtime win over the Lakers. It was awful. I think we gave up like 15 points in the final buck 20, but ended up winning that game. And then the last game of that homestand was against the Clippers. Awful first half, down by 20. Second half, the best half of basketball the Sixers probably played all mm-hmm. season. And it was the first time that we really started to see James and Joel working together. Like, okay, if these guys really are willing to compromise a little bit and play off of each other, this could be really hard to stop. And the Sixers rallied back from 20 down, biggest comeback of the season, to knock off the Clippers. And that was kind of where it started. So it was really cool to then this week in Los Angeles, see how far they have come in just, you know, not even a month yet, but they look so much more comfortable. So, I mean, 
when you have a couple of guys, James, obviously a former MVP, Joel, always in the MVP conversation these last few years, willing to just sacrifice and compromise a little. Um, I think that that has been huge. And then you have other guys who have been willing as well, Tobias Harris, willing to step back from being a second option to being a third or fourth option, yeah. Tyrese Maxey now willing to come off the bench. I mean, a yeah. couple of days ago, because again, there were so many injuries at the beginning of the season, Joel and then James and then Tyrese. And so we didn't have our, our three top guys. Um, DeAnthony Melton worked his way into the starting lineup, understandably. And now that everyone is back healthy, it's kind of a log jam. Like who, Ooh, yeah, you know, feelings get hurt. Guys want to start. And Tyrese, our 22-year-old, third-year dude, called Doc a couple of days ago and just hmm. said, hey, if you need if you need me to come off the bench, even though it's not what I want to do, but whatever is going to be most helpful for our team, I'm willing to do. So uh, that was a very long-winded answer. But it starts <laughs> with James and Joel, obviously, and then sure. other guys willing to take a little less, uh, you know, whether it's points or whatever it is on the stat sheet for the overall success of the team. This roster had a little bit of turnover in the off season. Yeah. You know, it, it looks different. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know how Philly fans are. I'm going to ask you about that in just a minute, but I mean, this is you know, the, the depth of this team gives them a real chance in, yeah. in the Eastern conference, just yeah. how they rounded out that roster. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of change, and it didn't seem like it because uh, most of the guys they picked up were, we thought, going to be coming off the bench. We thought P.J. Tucker would be the one guy in the starting lineup, and then the aforementioned Anthony Melton and Montrez Harrell and Daniel House. So, okay, like they'll, they'll be bit players. But then we had all those injuries at the start of the season to our right. big guys, and now all of a sudden DeAnthony's playing 30 minutes a night and Daniel's playing 25 and Montrez saying um, – and, and we – I learned, obviously, because it was my first NBA season last year. Like, I thought the Sixers had enough to to compete deep into the postseason last year. And then we lose Joel a couple of games in the first round, and you realize, oh, okay, this is <laughs> this is not the depth I thought we had. You know, George Niang, our three-point shooter off the bench, has a sore knee going into the playoffs. And all of a sudden, you realize, we only really have six or seven guys. You need more than that right. in the postseason. Right. So I think – a, a silver lining, a blessing in disguise with the injuries to our big dudes in November and December was the fact that all of these other pieces that had been really struggling to find their rhythm because they were only getting eight to 12 minutes a night off the bench. Some nights they wouldn't play just because, you know, it was a close game or whatever. They had 20 to 30 minutes a night for two, three consecutive weeks to find their footing as a sixer to start to understand what Doc and the staff wanted from them. And now with James and Tyrese back healthy, now it's a lot easier because everybody kind of right. knows what is needed from them. And yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it. The other night, Shake Milton was our guy off the bench with 17 points. Last night against the Clippers, George Niang comes in, drills three big threes in the second half. You know, he was big at the end of the Laker game. Now we've got Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench. I know a lot of people would, would kill to have Tyrese in their starting lineups. So I think that speaks to the depth, but you know, uh, health is such a massive reason why teams win championships these these days. So the more pieces you can have, even if it's a guy who's going to give you only five minutes in the postseason, uh, that matters. And being able to find that spot in the regular season to then be able to excel in the playoffs is, is huge. You know, one, one of the best things about our jobs is that we get to see the best athletes in the world, the best basketball players. So, you know, 20 years from now, we could say, yeah, I, got, I saw that guy play. I saw this guy play. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I haven't seen Joel Embiid all that much. And I, I on the plane last night, 
you know, start, starting my game prep, yeah, I saw that we have only seen Joel Embiid play against the Blazers three times in the last five years. Wow. So obviously he's healthy. I haven't had to, the chance to, to get a front row seat to <laughs> what he's been doing, which has just been remarkable. What have you seen from Joel Embiid? Yeah, well, we'll strap in Blazers fans. Uh, <laughs> and I understand that because I, I loved watching Dame while I was on the West Coast and and I'm looking forward to seeing him and a number of the other players um, on Thursday. Joel Embiid, uh, I forget who said it last year, but he is the rarest combination of if you combine Shaq and Dirk and Hakeem and Kobe uh, and then made him into a six, a seven, two, almost 300 pound Cameroonian guy who didn't start playing basketball <laughs> until he was 16 years old, <laughs> right. played, played soccer and volleyball uh, leading up to that. Uh, and then Luke Mbamute was like, hey, man, you should probably transition to hoop. Um he is a gazelle in the body of, as he likes to call himself, Godzilla. Uh, it, it truly is. I am blown away um, by the grace and agility of this giant human being. You know, I mean, a lot of guys, either they're really big, but they don't have the weight. So they're just kind of awkward right. and gangly. Or they're giant guys, but because they're so giant, they, they have trouble moving or their footwork isn't that great because they're just huge dudes, understandably. Um, and Joel is just, it, it is like I say, it's like watching basketball ballet. He is so graceful mm. at times. Not always. He's good. He hits the floor probably more than he should. Yeah. He's going to flail. And I'm sure Blazers fans are going to be screaming and be like, that's not a foul on Thursday. But there will mm. be other moments where he's got three guys collapsing on him on the low block and he does a reverse pivot and then a crazy, you know, cut through finger roll on the other side of the rim. Um, so he is a really special talent. And I think uh, we are obviously biased out in Philly and thought that he should have won the MVP award last year. Obviously you guys saw Jokic last night. And I mean, it's, it's one yeah. of those times in basketball where there's probably four or five guys who could win the MVP award, but he is an extremely special basketball player who can be Shaq on the low block, who has a spectacular three-point shot, uh, who's a really good free-throw shooter for a big guy. I mean, he does it all. So um, I'm really looking forward to you getting to see him on Thursday. Yeah, me, me too. He's having a terrific year. You know, I want to ask you about you a little bit. And last year, uh, you and Lisa Byington, the first women announcers play yeah. play announcers in, in any male sport full-time for television yeah it was a lot of the talk of of the league right this is this is new it's great it's an opportunity yeah. this year i haven't heard very much of those conversations those comments yeah. do you see that as a good thing that now it's like okay yeah they're they're just the not just but they're the announcers of the sixers and it's not yeah. a big deal that they're women yeah and i think you can leave just in there i mean that's what and lisa and i are buds and uh that's what we have always strived for to be a play-by-play -play announcer who happens to be a woman, right? Like, right. oh, she's our play-by-play. -play. She happens to be from California, even though she's here in Philly. And she also happens to be a woman. Um, right. so, so yeah, I'm, and to be honest, I'm shocked at how quickly uh, that change has happened, especially in Philly. <laughs> um, you know, I was taken over for a legend, a guy who was born and raised in Philly, went to college in Philly, had been the voice of the Sixers for 27 years, Mark Zumoff. And uh, I knew whoever was going to take over for him was going to 
have a, a tough hill to climb, let alone, <laughs> as I've said to you, you know, I'm really honest and direct, a gay chick from California, Travis. I was like, this is going right, right. to be a lot for Philly. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it was tough at first because of all of those things, because different, regardless of what that different looks or sounds like, is hard. So credit, I, I give a lot of credit to Philly and to Sixers fans across the world for so quickly coming around to the fact that I'm a lot different than all of the guys that they have ever heard call any sport, let alone their Sixers basketball. Um, and I also credit the NBA. You know, you and I talked about this a little at, at our broadcast meetings back in Jersey before the season started. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you look at all the professional sports, and I've been lucky enough to to touch them a little bit, called a couple of NFL games, NHL, and, and they're all wonderful in their own rights. But you look at just the number of female officials in the NBA. You look at the number of yeah. women in front office positions in the NBA. We have coaches now when it comes to women in the NBA. It is just, um, it's the most progressive of all the leagues when it comes to major professional sports leagues in the United States. And I didn't realize because you get offered the voice of the Sixers job, you're going to say, hell yes, regardless of what the rest of the right. looks like. Right. But I didn't, I didn't realize how important that support from my fellow broadcasters like you um, uh, from the team, from Doc Rivers and the Sixers, not saying like, hey, hey the girls here, hey, but all of them saying right. we are so excited to have you here in Philly. If there's anything we can do to help you be as successful a play-by-play broadcaster as possible, you let us know. Just treating me as a, as a broadcaster who happens to be a woman. So um, it's been amazing and wonderful, and people have really surprised me. So I tip my cap to everybody who, who gave me a shot and, and are still coming around because, again, I know it's different. We, all of us, right. me included, grew up listening to guys call all of our sports. So, um, yeah, so it's been it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Well, you're certainly deserving of, of that job. I think you do a, a fantastic job. Um, Philadelphia is a unique place. Right? <laughs> um, Amen. Yes. Cities have different <laughs> reputations, right? And I, I grew up in New York and uh-huh. New Yorkers have a, a reputation. <laughs> yep, the yep. reputation for Philly is just a little bit past that. So <laughs> now that you've been immersed in Philadelphia for yeah. almost two years now, the expectation versus reality of Philadelphia mm-hmm. and Philadelphia fans, what's it been? Oh, man. You know, this probably feels really weird to say, Um for a, a, a gal born and raised in California. So I was born and raised in the Central Valley of California, Fresno, Clovis. And then I went up to, to Berkeley, Oakland, UC Berkeley, Cal for, for college and then worked there for the 20 years before I went to Philly. Um, but it feels like I've come home. Uh, I have always, since I was a little girl, been a rabid Philly-esque sports fan. Like I was, my mom still remembers when I was five and when you could kind of like pour your bowl of cereal so your parents could sleep in on the weekend and they'd mm-hmm. say, like, you know, just go sit, just watch whatever program you want. Just turn on the TV. We'll be up in a little while, honey. And I was watching Sports Center when I was like five, six years old when it was those 30 minute repeat shows in yep. the morning. Uh-huh. Um, I was playing every sport. Uh, I was officiating sports when I was in high school and then in college, obviously I started getting into the reporter anchor play-by-play side of things, but I have always been just obsessed with sports like Philly is. And on top of that, I've always been just as a human being, a really honest and direct and open 
person. I try to be myself as much as possible, which, you know, right. is not easy in any industry, let alone ours. When Very we're listening true. to these people we've heard all our lives and we're trying to be like them, but but trying to be our version of that so we don't sound like we're copying. So um, yep. and Philly and that's the that, that's what I've told so many Philly people because they, they ask me the same thing. Do you think we're rude? Do you think we're asses? <laughs> and I say, well, I mean, some of you have been, yes, certainly, but I, I think, I think you're just, Philly is really honest and direct. So if you suck or have a call that they thought could have been better, they're going to tell you, but if you mm -hmm. do a great job, they're also going to be the first ones to say, Travis, that was a freaking great call. You nailed that damn three, man. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I've always been. I, I'm relentlessly self-critical. I'm always looking for ways to get better. And that's what Philly wants. And it's more about the blue collar gritty effort. Like you, have, if you are trying your best and you're not quite there yet, but you're telling them, man, I know I'm not there yet, but I am trying as hard as I can for you right now, Philly. They eat that up. Um, so it, it really feels like a wonderful match. And, mm -hmm. uh, and like you said, they are something else when we're playing the worst team in the Western conference, the Wells Fargo center where we play is still sold out and people stay till the very end of the game. And if yeah. the Sixers aren't playing well in the second quarter of a game in December, Sixers fans are booing them, which has right. been, which has been, that's been the one thing I just look up and I'm like, guys, you're not, you're not helping your team by booing them. It would really help right. to like cheer them into the locker room right now. Um, but that's just, that's just Philly. They're honest, direct. And uh, I'm having a blast being back there. One last thing. Um, you know, being the position that you're in and being who you are, you're going to get people, young kids who want to be like you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll get emails and, um, you know, messages, direct messages from broadcast students who, mm -hmm. you know, want me to listen to their tapes or things like that. You're in a really unique position because now you have young girls looking up to you. And there was, there was even a, a young a high school age girl out here that, um, I did a project with um, one of my mother-in-law's friend's daughters and she's not familiar with you because she's, she's here and doesn't watch the Sixers games, but yeah. you know, we were talking, she doesn't want to do what Brooke Olsendam does our, our sideline reporter. Yeah. She wants to do what I do, what Kevin yeah. Calabro does. So what have those interactions been like for you, for young girls who want to do what you do? And now mm -hmm. they see that there is somebody like them who does what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you and I have talked about this before. It's wild, right? It is wild to me um, in in the best sense of the word. I graduated from college in 2005, which doesn't feel that long ago, but I'm realizing it was quite a while, Travis. <laughs> I, I get but, it. Trust me. But, but when I graduated, um, I had yet to call a game because I did not think that women were ever going to be allowed to do play-by-play. -play. I was... Um, aiming to be a sideline reporter like Brooke, who is awesome at her job and Phenomenal, a great yeah. human being, um, or sports anchor. Um, but I, I did not think I, I had never called a game, which I know is one of the reasons it took me a while to get here. And that's what I tell people all the time, because you just need reps, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, so now, just uh, about 20 years later, to have so many young women realizing before I did and thus getting the reps that I missed out on and going to college and getting to call hundreds of games and be really bad at it and get critiqued and call all different sports and see what they like calling, but really go there knowing, hey, this is something I can actually do. This isn't just, it may be a pipe dream because it is a difficult industry, but, but look, 
there's Lisa in Milwaukee. There's Kate. You know, I, I didn't hear Beth Moans and Pam Ward calling games till my junior year at college, and but it still hmm. didn't make sense to me. Like, oh, a woman's going to be able to do this. So, right. Um, it is. It's been really special, and you know, um, it is so important to me to lift up as many people as possible, and not just women. Yeah anybody who hasn't seen or heard themselves reflected in this industry. Cause again, it is for most of your and my lifetime been white men calling sports. Yep. Under- understandably like that's, that's how the world progresses. And right. so I, I try to mentor uh, as many kids as I can, not just women, but of course there's a little something extra special with that. And I think the, uh, I'll leave you with this. The coolest thing was I was, mentoring this young woman. Gosh, it has to be almost seven or eight years now. And when we started, she was a weekend sports anchor because similar to me, what she thought she could do. Um, And I never told her, hey, think about doing play-by-play. I was just there anytime she needed feedback. She was also doing sideline reporting. Uh, And then one day she just said, hey, I got asked to, to call this game what do you think? And I said, well, if you, if you want to do it, I'm, I'm here to support you in any way that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was six or seven years ago. She has now gone all in on play by play with some sideline to support the budget. Cause you know, we don't of get course. paid very much. <laughs> um, but uh, she has recently become the first woman to call Arkansas men's basketball and no some, yeah, some other, guys sports um down in the sec and in the south and she's called some stuff for espn plus and she is she's sounding better and better and i'm so excited because again this was not who i met all those years ago when we started working together and the fact that she without me telling her anything about it just wanted to try it out she was a former athlete like me and you know there's nothing better than play-by-play when it comes to loving sports. We do all the prep Absolutely. we can, but then we just, the game happens and crazy things happen and you're live for two and a half hours or three hours or however long. And like you said earlier, we get to witness some of the best athletes in all of sports in all of the world and get paid to do yeah. this. So <laughs> anyway, long story long, it's been really cool to see how quickly the industry has started to open up. And now the most important thing to me is um, none of us, Lisa and I, None of us others, as I like to call us, want to get jobs because of the fact that we are an other, because then that's just going to set that's going to set everybody back. So now it's about getting these young women and and men as prepared as possible. So when the opportunities arise, they are prepared to crush it and be really good so that when they're hired, nobody says, oh, you were just hired because you were a woman. Oh, you're just hired because you're this. It's wow, I wasn't expecting this, but wow, they're good. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's my focus for the next number of years that, yes, you can do this, but now let's let's put in all the work that Travis and I did so that you are really, really good so that nobody thinks that you got this job for anything other than you're really good at it. Kate Scott is with us here on the Section 113 podcast, the TV play-by-play voice for the Philadelphia 76ers. Kate, you're the best. Thanks so much for taking your time. And I look forward to seeing you uh, against the Sixers on Thursday night at Moda Center. Thank you. Back at you, Travis. See you soon. All right. Big thanks to Kate Scott. She is terrific at what she does. And you just you, you listen to her a few minutes and you can tell why she has that job. Obviously, what she does as a play-by-play announcer, but she's inspirational. She's energetic. She's excited. Uh, she is just terrific to be around. So big thank you to Kate Scott. 
All right, the Blazers taking on the 76ers Thursday night, 7 o'clock tip at Moda Center to open up a six-game homestand. Pre-game coverage will start at 6. Mike Lynch will have that for you. And then the call at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 Podcast.